Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. You want to open up your Bibles to the book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 16. We'll also be looking at a book of the Bible called 2 Chronicles. 2 Kings 16, 2 Chronicles chapter 28, and also in chapter 29. We are beginning a new sermon series today on the life of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a good king in what we call the divided kingdom. If you remember your history of the Bible, after Solomon, Israel split. They had a church split where there's a northern kingdom and there's a southern kingdom. The southern kingdom was called Judah, and the northern kingdom was called Israel. It was capital, capital uh, was in Samaria, in that area. It had ten tribes, the southern kingdom had two tribes, and both of them were wicked. And they both eventually both collapsed, and that was because they were disobedient to God. But during the period of this divided kingdom, there was an area called Judah, and in Judah... They had a good king called Hezekiah. But Hezekiah, he was not given the opportunity when he was growing up to have a godly example. His father was King Ahaz. King Ahaz was a wicked king. And he was very disobedient to the Lord. And so we're going to actually, the next four or five Sundays, we're going to be looking at some events that occurred in King Hezekiah's life. But his upbringing was of the utmost importance because he did not have someone set a good example for him. Did you have a Christian father, Christian mother? Did you have parents that brought you to church, brought you to Sunday school, made sure you were baptized when you reached that age of accountability after you accepted Christ as your Savior? You brought the children to church, came to VBS. You had the opportunity to come to church at your home, here at the church building, and you grew and you learned about the Lord. Well, not every child has that blessing in their life, and it is a blessing to be able to grow up in church. It's an honor to be able to come to children's church as a child and come to Sunday school, and you're robbing your children. You're neglecting them if you don't do that, because that's a lost opportunity in their life. They'll never get back. Every Sunday you miss is a Sunday you never get back. And what happened with King Hezekiah, He had a father named Ahaz, who was very wicked. Probably one of the most wicked kings. Him and Ahab were the two most wicked kings in Israel's history. We're going to look at his life and how what happened with Hezekiah. He would not let the wickedness of his father and the family he grew up in define his life. You know, there's someone in American history who did not have the blessing of having a godly father. Jack Reagan had a family back in the early, I guess it was the 20s and 30s. And Jack Reagan, he sold shoes. He was a shoe salesman in northern Illinois. And he couldn't, the guy couldn't keep a job, couldn't stay in a town. If you read the life and the history of Ronald Reagan's family growing up, it was not one of privilege whatsoever with former President Ronald Reagan, our 40th president. His dad was named Jack. He was an alcoholic. 
In fact, one day he came home and he found his dad passed out, laying on the front, just on the, on, in the front yard, t- totally uh, out of it. And his little Ronald Reagan is dragging his father up the stairs into the house. They never even owned a home because they couldn't stay in one location. They were constant renters. I think the longest period he stayed is nine months in one location, constantly moving. So you would look at the Reagan family, and you would look at a man named Jack Reagan and think, you know, those poor kids, they just, they aren't going to have much of a life. They aren't going to have much of a future. But that was not the case for Ronald Reagan. He went on to become an actor, became the governor of California, and then the 40th president of the United States. He would not allow his father and his pitiful upbringing that he experienced to define his future. And that's what happens we also see with this king named Hezekiah. He had, in many ways, pitiful parents. A dad that did not set any example. And maybe you this morning, you were in that same predicament where your parents, they just, they weren't there. They weren't there for you. There was a lot of problems. They were certainly no godly example. It did not bring you to church. But you aren't going to allow your upbringing where you started does not have to determine where you finish. And that's what we're about to see. So go ahead in your Bibles and turn. 2 Kings chapter 16. 2 Kings 16, we're going to read three verses here. Verses 2, 3, and 4. This is about King Ahaz. This is Hezekiah's dad. It says here, Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. He did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord his God, like his ancestor David. That's a bad start right there for your for your story, for his biography. But walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. He even sacrificed his son in the fire. You know, right there, that meant he sacrificed his children. Physically, he, he killed his own children to false gods. That's how wicked Ahaz was. I mean, could you, not, could you imagine Hezekiah? Yeah, I used to have a brother, but he got sacrificed by my dad. Anyway, that's what occurred. That shows you the moral depravity that was going on with Ahaz's life. When you're killing your own children to false gods, you have lost all sense of what is right and wrong. But that's what occurred here with Ahaz. And that's the life. Luckily, Hezekiah didn't get sacrificed. He actually made it. He was able to grow up. It says here, verse latter part of verse 4 or 3, imitating the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had disposed before the Israelites. He sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. That meant they didn't worship in the temple. They, They went up on mountains and they worshiped the false gods on the hills and under every green tree. You see the moral depravity of Hezekiah's father. This is the king, the spiritual king of Israel, killing his own children, worshiping false gods. It's easy to think, why on earth would he do such? And the answer is we're going to find in the book of 2 Chronicles. So flip over in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles. The book of 
Kings and Chronicles are two different stories they tell of the different kings of Israel and the kings of Judah. And here we're going to see the story also of Ahaz that's a little more detailed of what happened to this man. And what this has to do with Hezekiah, this is the world Hezekiah is stepping into. He's having a father who does not set an example because he saw his father's mistakes and he moved forward to correct them. It says here in 2 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 19, God's Word says, For the Lord humbled Judah, that's the whole nation of Judah, because of King Ahaz of Judah. Humbled means they lost military battles. That meant other people came and conquered them because of their wickedness. You're humbled when you're put to shame. He who threw off restraint in Judah and was unfaithful to the Lord. And one of the things we see is the unfaithfulness of Ahaz did not continue to be unfaithful in Hezekiah. Hezekiah was faithful to the Lord. That is something we do not want the Lord to say about us, that we're unfaithful to Him. You want to be God to be able to look at you when you stand before Him and say, my faithful or my good and faithful servant. Faithfulness is meaning throughout our life, we are constantly following Him. In every stage of life, every season, we find ourselves faithful to the Lord. That's an honor from birth all the way up to when we go to meet the Lord. It says here in verse 20, 2 Chronicles 28-20, Then King tiglath Pileser of Assyria. What happened, what's going on here is there was a country right next to Israel called Assyria. Assyria is very strong. King Ahaz was a spiritually bankrupt king. And he was worried. He was worried because he looked over there and he saw Assyria. And he thought, they're going to they're gonna beat me in war. I'm going to get captured. I'm going to die. So he makes a mistake, the king does. Not the king of Assyria. He seems to be doing much better than the king of Judah. The king, this king, Tiglath-Pilzar of Assyria, he came against Ahaz. He oppressed him and did not give him support. Although Ahaz plundered the Lord's temple and the palace of the king and of the rulers and gave the plunder to the king of Assyria, it did not help him. Let me explain what happened. The king of Assyria is looking at Ahaz and says... I'm about to destroy your country. So King Ahaz thinks, you know what, I need to offer a bribe. If you remember all the military conquests of David, every time they would go and conquer a little territory, they would plunder means, after you kill folks, you would take their gold and their silver and their wealth, and then they would store them in the Lord's treasury. That was the bank account. So when this king of Assyria is coming over here, and they're about to attack you, you think, I'm going to bribe them. I'm going to start giving them our wealth, and maybe they won't attack us. That's like our stewardship committee at our church saying, we're about to get conquered by Louisville. Let's write them a check for several hundred thousand dollars, and maybe they won't, Louisville won't attack our church. That's what's going on. And the Bible says it didn't work. Assyria just, they took the gold, 
said, thank you for these gifts. We're still going to come in here and attack you. And they did. But the reason why they lost wasn't because they couldn't fight. It's because the Lord had abandoned them. It was the Lord that won all these victories. It wasn't that David and Solomon and King Saul were great military folks. God directed their battles. He directed their steps. Just like in our lives, He directs our steps as well. And what occurred here is it says here, it did not help him. So this poor king's not getting much help anywhere he turns. Even when he bribes people, they take the bribe and still beat him. At that time of his distress, King Ahaz himself became, look at this, look how sad this is, more unfaithful to the Lord. He sacrificed to the gods of Damascus, which had defeated him, and said, since the gods of the kings of Aram are helping them, I'll just sacrifice to them so they will help me. But they were the downfall of him and all Israel. So what's happening is he's getting defeated by these groups. He's losing battle after battle. But instead of turning to the Lord, he thinks, well, it seems like their gods of these foreign powers seem to be helping them win wars. I'll start making altars and sacrifices to them. That's where sin leads you. You go down a road and it gets worse and worse. So now he's offering, he's looking around at the other nations of their gods, and he's making, he already sacrificed his own children, his son, now he's making sacrifices to these false gods. And again, the Lord has abandoned him, King Ahaz. This is Hezekiah's dad. I mean, this is a poor example. It says this is his downfall. Then Ahaz gathered up the utensils of God's temple, cut them into pieces, Look at this. Shut the doors of the Lord's temple and made himself altars on every street corner in Jerusalem. At this point, Ahaz, he's the king of Judah. There, He's got the temple in Jerusalem. And it says he cut up the utensils. What are the utensils? During this time, they would make sacrifices at the temple. He was so angry and mad with God. He basically, utensils would be like these Lord's Supper items. He says, I'm tired of this. God is not helping. Why do we need to have the Lord's Supper and offer sacrifice to the Lord if He's not helping me? So he basically destroyed all, all the things inside of church, the temple. And then not only that, it says, if you look, it says, He shut the doors of the church. He's now closing the church. He pulled a COVID. He went and started closing church down, which did not help whatsoever. And then you start saying, I'm going to start building altars on all the streets. Again, we're just getting worse and worse. He's angry at God. He's mad. He's getting defeated on every side. He gave away all his wealth. He closed down the church. Church is going out of business there in Jerusalem. It's, it's a terrible situation. Goes on to say, verse 25, He made high places in every city in Judah to offer incense to other gods, and he angered the Lord, the God of his, of his ancestors. So God is angry with him. So here's his, how he died. He didn't get a good funeral service. As for the rest of his deeds and all the ways from the beginning to the end, are they, are they written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel? Ahaz rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city in Jerusalem. But look at this. But they did not bring him into the temple of the kings of Israel. 
His son Hezekiah became king in his place. He was so wicked, he, did, he wasn't even able to be buried with the other kings because of his wickedness. The, the Jewish folks thought, we don't even want this guy buried in the same area, the courtyard with them. He was so immoral. Every single thing he did was wrong. I'm, I'm going to put Isaiah 7.14 up on the, on the board here. I want you to see this Bible verse because Isaiah was the prophet who was the contemporary of Ahaz. And I, this is one of our great Bible verses we get from the Scriptures because uh, we always read during uh, Christmas time, Isaiah 7.14. And what the context of it actually has to do with King Ahaz. Isaiah came to this king and said, Hey, if you turn to the Lord, because God loves His people, if you turn to the Lord, He'll help you here. Just, and Ahaz struggled with faith. It kept saying he was unfaithful to God. He could not trust the Lord to deliver him. And God is speaking to him saying, and Isaiah is speaking to him saying, if you don't believe me, just ask for a sign. God will give you a sign. And Ahaz, even when the prophet Isaiah came and says, ask for a sign, Ahaz, Ahaz was so mad and angry at God, he wouldn't even ask for a sign. And then God said through Isaiah, he says, you won't ask for a sign, but I'm going to give you a sign anyway. And the sign he gave him, because we read this every December, David. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. This really puts this verse in context. The sign was not so much to us. It was to King Ahaz, who was unfaithful to God, who did not believe the Lord, who could not trust the Lord. He says, I'll give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive and have a son and name him Emmanuel. Now listen to this. This is shocking. Do you know what the word Emmanuel means? God with us. Do you know why Ahaz was so angry at God? Because he felt the Lord had abandoned him. That's why he was worshiping these foreign gods with incense and building these high places. God was coming to the king, even in his wickedness, saying, I'm still with you. I'm still here. Turn to me. I'll help you, King Ahaz. I know you want to win these battles. I know you've got all these armies in this difficult situation you're in. And I'll even give you a sign. My sign is Emmanuel. When you feel far from God, He comes near and gives you a sign that says, God with us. So every time, every December, we read this Bible verse. I want you to think about the context of that verse. It was about King Ahaz who did not feel he was close to the Lord. He didn't feel the Lord's presence. God comes near and says, Emmanuel, God with us. That's Jesus' name. That prophecy there is about Jesus. Ahaz rejected the Lord, but God still had a sign. And God is with us today. Keep going here in your Bibles. Look at verse chapter 29. 2 Chronicles 29, Ahaz dies. We're going to read ten more verses here because this starts Hezekiah. This is about really what to do when you are raised by ungodly parents, really ungodly parents, and then you step, you grow up and you become a man or a woman, an adult, and you have to start making decisions for yourself. King Hezekiah is our example. He had the worst possible example for a father. But look what God's Word says. 2 Chronicles 29, verse 1. 
Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king. And he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. In the first year, look, at this is my favorite Bible verse for today. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, you know how every single president always says, my first day in office, I'm going to sign every executive order possible on what, January 20th, and they, they get inauguration, they get inaugurated, then they go and start just signing executive order after executive order. That's their campaign promises. Well, that's what he did here, Hezekiah. But his executive orders wasn't to give it, throw away, it wasn't start handing out money and start uh, doing things. His executive order is found in verse, verse 3. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, meaning at the very beginning, he opened the doors of the Lord's temple and repaired them. The temple was, had fallen into disarray because they weren't worshiping in it. He closed church. He came in and says, it's time to reopen for business. COVID's over. Here we go. People are back to church. Let's come back and worship the Lord. The first thing this man did was focus on the worship of the Lord. And God granted favor to that. When you see the importance and the value of, 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 of biblical worship, you come here. We baptize people in Jesus' name. Soon we're going to take the Lord's Supper in Jesus' name. We have an audience of one here at worship. We're not here for anyone else. We're here for the Lord. Hezekiah said, the people, I'm the new king. The people need to worship the Lord. So he reopened and repaired the church. The church had never fallen into disrepair. It had under his father. That is an example of faithfulness. Godly men support worship. They make sure their church is open for business. They make sure it's in good condition for the community to come and worship here at Broadway Baptist Church. That's what Hezekiah is doing. Keep going here in your Bibles. Then he brought in the priests. They had gotten laid off. All the preachers lost their jobs under Ahaz. There wasn't a good profession under his father. So they, they had been on unemployment, and then they got their job back. Then he brought in the priests and Levites and gathered them in the eastern public square. So now all of a sudden... The economy's coming back under Hezekiah. He said to them, Hear me, Levites, consecrate yourselves now and consecrate the temple of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. Remove everything impure from the holy place. That's what happens. God calls us to that holiness, that purity. He's saying, we're going to return to the Lord and you need to repent. There is sin in your life that you need to turn to God. For our ancestors were unfaithful to what was evil in the Lord's sight. They abandoned Him, turned their faces. Notice the word, they abandoned Him. The Lord never abandoned Judah and the people. It was King Ahaz and the people. They turned from the Lord. The Lord doesn't abandon us. Remember, Emmanuel is God with us. He comes near. He draws close. Whenever you, whenever you don't feel close to God, guys, it's not God's fault. It's not my fault. It's not, not your church's fault. Whose fault is it? It's your fault. You are the one that abandoned the Lord. If you aren't experiencing personal revival in your life, you can't blame anybody else but you. Because remember, God is Emmanuel. He's offering this sign to, 
to Ahaz. And Hezekiah came along and took that sign and said, I'll take that promise. I'll reopen church. It's time to get back to work. Get back to worship. They abandoned him, turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling place, and turned their backs on him. They also closed the doors of the portico, extinguishing the lamps, did not burn incense, and did not offer burnt offerings in the holy place of the Lord. This God of Israel, this is an example of his father, what they were doing. Therefore, the wrath of the Lord was on Judah and Jerusalem, and he made for them an object of terror, horror, and mockery. As you see with your own eyes, our fathers fell by the sword, and our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity. Why? Because of this, they had been conquered by the Assyrians. They didn't just conquer, they gave themselves to the Assyrians. The, the folks from Damascus came and conquered them. They, they came under authority of a far nation. I want to tell you all, they gave themselves to Syria. And then after that, it was Persia. And then after that, it was Babylon, Greece, and Rome. All the way to Jesus' time, there was foreign occupation in Jerusalem, and it started with Ahaz, by him giving away the Lord's treasury and closing the temple. There were consequences for this sin. And in Jesus' time, the occupation were the Romans. It finally ended in 70 A.D. with that. So this is a history of their wickedness, and Hezekiah is trying to come in and undo this. Much of his work, much of what Hezekiah had to do was basically undo what his father had done. He had to come back and put it back together. And you think, and it looks here, in verse 10, last verse, it is in my heart now to make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, so that his burning anger may turn away from us. Hezekiah is saying, we are facing God's judgment. And I'm going to repent and turn back to the Lord. Now you think about, this is a national revival under Hezekiah. They had a wicked king. Wickedness had reigned for 16 years under Ahaz. Think about our nation. Do we need to repent of here in America? Now you turn on the news, you hear about the sin of slavery. You still hear about it. That's something to repent of. Slavery, it was wrong. It ended in 1865 with Abraham Lincoln, born here in Kentucky. But what are some other things? What are some modern-day sins? Abortion, that's something America needs to repent of. Homosexuality, the acceptance of it, that's sinful. That's something we need to repent of. Not only that, pornography, the Internet, Stuff you see on the computer and your phone, it's immoral. These are sins that are destroying our country. And God is looking at His people, us, me, you, saying, you've lived under a time of Ahaz. Ahaz was wicked and immoral. Hezekiah comes along and he repents of all of these national sins. And God is speaking to you this morning. He's going to speak to you these next few weeks. And we're going to see a man named Hezekiah who came from really, in many ways, had the worst possible upbringing. His dad killed his brother to a false god. I mean, you can't get him. So where's your brother? Oh, he got sacrificed. By who? Dad. To a sacrifice, yeah. 
to a false god of our, of our far, far neighbors. How, what a wicked upbringing. But folks, that's our nation today. We commit these same sins. We live in a time of Ahaz. We need to rise up like Hezekiah. We want to be a church that's under the leadership that Hezekiah had that same attitude of faithfulness. Reopen the church. We're here for folks to worship. We're here to point people to Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God with us. Two things we see in conclusion that Hezekiah did. I want you to walk away with this this morning. When he came to power, came to his kingship, his dad passed away, he reopened and repaired the temple. He made a priority on worship. Christian faithfulness requires us to be faithful on Sundays. God wants you here on Sunday mornings. There's no better place for you to be. We come to worship the Lord. But not only that, he repented of previous sins. The sins of his father, the sins of Ahaz, the wickedness that Judah closed down church, worshiping idols. Hezekiah, in his first month, first day in office, he says, we need to have a national day of repentance. We need to destroy these high places, these false altars, and turn back to the Lord. That's what America needs. It needs a return to God to come to church. It needs a return and personal repentance, turning from sin into Jesus. We're about to have the Lord's Supper. This is going to be our time that you, the Bible tells us, you know we have not had an in-person Lord's Supper here since January of 2020. Do you remember we tried to have one back in November, but we got shut down. It was an internet Lord's Supper, which was bizarre. But now we have a real Lord's Supper here. And Lord's Supper, it's been a long time. In many ways, it's almost like Hezekiah. It's been a long time since we've had this opportunity. Lord's Supper is a time for you and myself. You're not doing it for anyone else but the Lord. And you need to ask God when you're holding this, this piece of bread we're going to take represents Jesus' body. The cup that you're going to hold, it represents Jesus' blood. God with us. And you want to say, God, is there any sin in my life? We lived in the days of Ahab. Is there any purity that I need to be cleansed of? Because I know you want your people. The Bible said, Hezekiah appointed people to holiness. Holiness means you are set apart for God. So I'm going to invite our deacons to come forward at this time. If you're a deacon here, you want to come forward, and we're going to, we're going to pass out the Lord's Supper. It's going to be a special time. Lord's Supper is for those who are saved. If you've been saved and baptized... This is for you.